The following episode of VSSR Features is sponsored by the Tulip Hotel, Blackpool's finest hotel experience. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everybody and welcome to this, the latest edition of ESSR feature here on Eat Sleep Simplex Retweet Podcast Network. I'm Stephen Wilson and I will be hosting this week's show where we'll be going back in time to where we could go out, do stuff, meet people and be generally happy. With, with <laughs> Yes, we'll be going back and talking about uh, the two times in which NXT UK descended on Blackpool both 2019 and 2020 before it went to utter shit. Yes, we're talking about the two NXT UK takeover Blackpool shows from the last couple of years. But before we get into that, please subscribe to us if you've never listened to it before and it's the first time listening. We're on all good podcast platforms. Just search for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. We can catch all our feature shows, all our central shows, all our Saturday Draft Live and East Meets West shows, among others. Uh, you can also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. And we're also on YouTube if you like to see the massive forehead that is David Campbell in the full absolute 1080p <laughs> definition. You can find it there on our YouTube channel. He's done a lot of shows on that. Remember uh, a Thunderdome? It was David Campbell's forehead. <laughs> Oh, the fun to do in full effect. Uh, but enough about that. Before we go out to talk about the show, let's meet tonight's panel. First of all, he is the chauffeur of champions. Well, not really champions. If you've seen all the people he took down to Blackpool those both two years, you'll understand why it's not champions. It's a man <laughs> with a lot of patience. It's Gary Kernan. Oh, well, you need to have patience when you try and find somewhere to eat in Blackpool on a Sunday evening. <laughs> yeah, Can you imagine it's... what Blackpool must be like during lockdown? I was thinking that was like the that was like the precursor for lockdown. You should have seen that coming by that point. <laughs> I went I, I went to the shops on the Sunday morning after the first takeover, and there was no one in the street. Blackpool's been in lockdown since nineteen eighty seven. Ah. And our next panellist, he arrived at Blackpool in 2019 to the message of, oh, I do like to be beside the seaside. Oh, I do lo- I do like to be beside the sea. Now, Ross, please tell us, where is the fucking sea? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we were in the, the Ibis Hotel and I had a big... <laughs> me and Scott had a room, separate beds, he didn't want to cuddle. Um, and there was a big plaque above our bed said, Oh, we do like to be beside the seaside. Oh, we do like to be beside the sea. And then it looked out onto a corridor and an alley with cats shagging in it. So <laughs> I, 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 the sea was nowhere to be seen. <laughs> that video was amazing. I've not seen it in that long. It's absolutely class at the time. Uh, and up next. He's the tulip amongst his panel. No, not because of that, because he got stuck in that wretched hotel. Thank you to Kwaku Aji. He flew the flag for Scotland proudly at TakeOver 2020 in what was his early summer vacation. Or summer holiday, I'm not American. It's Alan McLucas. It was my only summer holiday. Thank you very much, and I had to spend it in the scene of Saw, where that was filmed. I'm pretty sure there was a murder in the room Kwaku was in, or should I say the cupboard he was in. <laughs> not, while he, not while he was there. No, no, Gary, I heard him. <laughs> they were through the wall from each other. I got the best room in the hotel, and that's the word from Kwaku. 
I actually got the best room in the whole hotel. <laughs> sounds brutal, sounds brutal. Uh, our final panellist <laughs> would have probably liked Blackpool at any of these points you were there because, let's face it, anything's better than spending so many years living in Newcastle or just outside the Newcastle, you'll probably correct me. It is Chris Murray. <laughs> so true, so very true. Yeah, it's, it's weird to think that, like, so were, were all of you at Blackpool 1? And that I think wasn't. that I think that that was like pre my ESSR involvement. So oh, we were. I don't even. We need to pause this at some point and compare seats because uh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even know where you were. <coughs> yeah, we were you there the first one. Yeah, I was at the first one. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, yeah. you were in your recliner or something like that. I was, yeah, I, you were in Robe Z number five. I was in my house. But no, no, I was at the first Well, Mr. Murray, if you load up the WWE network and you watch the start of it, you will see me featured very prominently from my feet down the front. And I will Gary and Gary, I will tell you, I have absolutely not gone through the whole show to see if I can spot myself. That would be madness. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Gary's everyone a, Gary's yeah. has been on the show has been on takeover, except for the one who got the free tickets. <laughs> I did get free tickets for the Blackpool show because that was absurd. You know, it's like we well if it's in Glasgow, we will let you do any of that stuff, but Blackpool, ah, screw you. <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that £25 had to cost you for a ticket, Stephen, would have really broke the bank. I know. There's <laughs> a reason why I didn't get a ticket for one of them. I can't remember why. I can't remember why. Because you're a tight-fisted bastard. Oh, I, 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 did, <laughs> I didn't go to last year's one because I was still I was saving for my wedding, which has now been delayed uh, a year. So it's done the wedding excuse. We tend to now in that for another year thanks to COVID. I know. I know. Tell me about it. Tell me. I need to hear about it for another year. Anyway, enough about me. Uh, Let's talk about uh, the NXT UK takeover Blackpools, and obviously the first one uh, was on the 12th of July 2019, which seems like an absolute decade ago. Uh, But Gary, we'll start with you since you know you were. You were featured on that, as you already told us, you know, you, you were on the highlight packages on the WWE Network for a good number of months afterwards. Uh, what was it like being at the a TakeOver show for the first time in the UK? It was something, the minute it got announced, Stephen, I just had this feeling that I, I have to be there. I just want to be there. It just felt like a, a big moment in the history of British wrestling, and I was just so keen to be there. I remember what the the day the tickets went on sale and I had multiple computers lined up with different ticket sites on them loaded up so the minute I could get in so I immediately got got, got my tickets uh, straight away. Um and, and the, the tickets sold out I think within 10-15 minutes they went they went incredibly quickly and the Empress Ballroom isn't a big arena as such uh, but the tickets sold incredibly quickly but there was just something you know being there when you arrived at the venue uh, as we touched on the surroundings of the venue WWE build Blackpool up in the way that Strictly Come Dancing do and they make it sound like the streets are paved with gold they are most certainly not but they present it in such a way that makes I can imagine an American uh, wrestling fan watching it and thinking oh my god I've got to go there <laughs> and then being bitterly disappointed when they arrive. Um, but when you get there, you know there was just such an excitement about the place, the atmosphere. The uh, when you got into the arena, you know, the place was 
was buzzing and you know I hadn't been at the UK Championship tournament that was held in Blackpool I did go to the one in London um, so there was just something pretty cool about being in that arena and, and seeing it all and you know, I said this in one of the shows we've done previously it's a pretty spectacular venue uh, inside it so there was just the beat, I was keen to be there, Stephen, and when I got there, I was so excited to be there. I was so looking forward to the show itself. Mm. Uh, Chris, what were your feelings going into this one? Were you as desperate as Gary to get a ticket, or what, what, what was your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, a couple of my mates, um, I, I basically didn't even know it was announced. A couple of my mates were like, we should definitely go to this. And I wasn't interested in the tournament because I didn't really know any of the guys outside of ICW guys at the time and um, when this came around I'd obviously watched NXT UK and I was much more interested in it so I um, got tickets uh, I can't remember how easily I paid somebody else who did all the hard work as usual um, and we stayed in Preston uh, I remember it took us an hour to get there on a bus because the trains were off that night I don't know if you remember any of that chat from the first yeah. night um, uh, was the coldest I've ever been and I lived in Sunderland and Newcastle <laughs> um, I got steaming after the show and the spoons underneath the um, Blackpool Tower um, got a taxi home and was like that was the best night ever um, but yeah it was, it was, it's just so much fun to look back on um, I was thinking about this Stephen like if you think about it this this event was like the culmination of like all of British wrestling's hard work like yeah I get it, it was a WWE event but this was kind of this was all thanks to people like um, Progress at Wembley and ICW, ABC, Barrowlands, SEC, Hydro. This all led to this happening, even though like the Empress Ballroom, I think Gary touched on it earlier, it's not like big room. I think I think they sold 3,000 tickets for the show, which is way less than a couple of those uh, ICW and Progress shows. But like neither of those trended wo- worldwide at number one. Uh, NXT UK Blackpool did. Um, and, and also the last little thing is that if NXT UK had like chapters of its lifetime, I feel like Blackpool 1 was like the end of chapter 1 of NXT UK uh, and it was this big huge season finale and the, as, as Gary said, the second you walked in it was just a, such a cool atmosphere I was so hyped to, to be at the show and uh, turns out the card was pretty good as well Yeah, Ross uh, this kind of came off the back of like a succession of rushed kind of NXT UK tapings that they kind of just rushed into this but there was still a decent build to it and as Chris said it's a decent card that they actually pulled together Yeah, I don't think the worry was that it wasn't going to be a decent card because the amount of people they hoarded (laughs) throughout British wrestling if you believe certain purists um, you know, they had the best of the best some of them we can't talk about anymore um, but we, um, yeah, it was very rushed. Cause I remember them showing them um, two at a time on the network. Yeah, and even even NXT UK dropping wasn't a big thing. I remember us back when we were allowed to talk to each other, um, <laughs> uh, watching War Games in Dave's house before he kicked us out five minutes before the end of the main event. Uh, and it was just, it was just sort of a, a passing comment. I think it actually might have been Gary. It just went. Oh, do you see NXT UK is coming? And um, like, there's a couple of there, just like, oh, when, when have they announced it? Uh, Thursday. Like, just nay build up, nay promos. It wasn't even on NXT that night. And then all of a sudden in January, like, here we go. We're going to have a, we're going to have a takeover. But 
build up or not, it was an absolutely sensational show. Mm-hmm. Alan, like uh, myself, you didn't go to the first of his takeovers. But did you watch it live or did you watch it on repeat? Because obviously this was the beauty that we could watch this at a really respectable time in the evening. Yeah, I watched it live. It was nice to be able to relax, a drink or whatever, and just sit and watch it and then somebody would get your bed a reasonable time. Yeah, it was good to have to stay up all night and change your body clock. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed the show. Um, I was quite jealous that I didn't go. I, I just got married to the point this came out and I was supposed to be going on honeymoon and then plans changed. So my wife had to bear the bunt of uh, me not being able to go to takeover. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's why I was at takeover too. So yeah, it, it was a really good show. I really enjoyed it. Um, there was a lot of people that I'd never really heard of because I haven't still to this day I, I don't know much about progress wrestling other than what people talk about it so to see some of the guys that don't normally come up to ICW to see them in this and to actually get to enjoy what they can bring to it and the different aspects I, I thought was thoroughly excellent and it's a brilliant show but I'm always going to be biased and say TakeOver 2 was better of course you're going to buy it. You're always everybody's biased if it shows the Dina. Ryan Gallagher says that WrestleMania 32 is one of the best WrestleManias ever and says oh. that The Undertaker, Shane McMahon's one of the best hell of a sales just because he was there. But when you're yeah, watching at home at two in the morning, he, it's shit. He also said it was also the worst hell in the cell in the same show. <laughs> I know, it's like, I was there. That's why I think it was brilliant. But you, know, it's, uh, you watch it the telly, it's an old man who's beat up taking on The Undertaker. <laughs> I like that. Well done. Uh, something else. But the, the card, I mean... Uh, Gary, I'll throw back to you in this one. Like, about a couple of years before that, some of these guys were quite unknown, but you'd started to kind of get to know them over the last... Well, NXT UK was in, was in uh, running shows as well, and two of those... Uh, one, one of the guys, anyway, was definitely a bit more of an unknown, and it was uh, James Drake, and his partner was a bit more known in the form of Zach Gibson from us in Scottish perspective he'd wrestled in ICW he'd wrestled at the Hydro against the Light Lionheart and RVD and these guys came into this opening match for the show for the the NXT UK Tag Team Championships taking on the team of Mustache Mountain and Trent Seven Tyler Bate and what was the Manchester City Burnley uh, aspect of what people thought the match could have went like in certain aspects of it but it's not really how it turned out. Yeah, this uh, this tag team match, Steve, that opened the show, it was fitted in keeping with this uh, trend of NXT takeovers, starting with absolutely stellar, uh, stellar tag team matches. And immediately, the first match of the show is immediately, I, and that, as far as I'm concerned, is that a you know, five star match. I thought this was fantastic. I loved it. Packed full of action. I loved the uh, Mustache Mountain tribute to the British Bulldogs, and uh, you know these these guys, Mustache Mountain in particular, so over. Everybody loved them, and Zach Gibson was just the perfect heel. Everybody hated him. How much would you have gave this match if uh, Tyler Bate wasn't in it? Two stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some Alan uh, Gary mentioned Zach Gibson. You know, in a time where heels are meant to be cool, we have a guy who has the front row, well, not the front row, the full crowd, taking their shoes off <laughs> if you hate them, you know. It's old school heat, but it's, it's heat nonetheless, and he does it well. He's a true heel. Somebody that can answer under your skin and you just don't like. Um, it's a very rare art. There's very few out there that can do it. I mean, he's in that same guy, he's Baron Corbin, 
who I think is a phenomenal heel because everyone does hate him. But he's done his, that just shows he's done his job right. And that's what Zach Gibson does to the point that he's able to stink out an entire arena by making everyone take their shoes off. <laughs> you know, the smell, I'm glad they don't smell of vision. Let's put it that way. I mean, uh, I don't know if Gary and Ross get by with everyone's cheesy feet. Out. <laughs> I mean, shoes back on. <laughs> Uh, it was when we, it was when they came to Glasgow, and you're kind of people start taking them off, and you're kind of like, should I, should I not, should I not, and then you just kind of get swayed into it. And you're just caught up in the emotion. You're like, ah! Have I got my banana socks on? Have I got my good socks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the NXT Glasgow shows were absolutely roasting that day, day two days as well. So it was like. Tropical in the blooming spring. Chris, obviously, were you a bit more about Zach Gibson from a Scottish fan perspective? He'd wrestled quite a lot in ICW a couple of years beforehand, and obviously, he'd won the the UK tournament in 2018. So we kind of seen him that they had plans for him. But James Drake, even though as a guy had been about the tournaments in 2017, 2018, didn't really go as far into them as he might have liked, you know. So we, he was a bit more of an unknown, but. He kind of came to the, the forefront, I think, in this tag team match compared to the other three who were obviously much more established names. Yeah, definitely. I I'll, I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember the pre-match videos that they had of Zach going about Liverpool with James Drake? And um, basically he would be like, this is such and such and this is why it's so important to Liverpool. And they obviously didn't trust James uh, Drake enough that he, he would just sit and look at Zach Gibson and just be like, <laughs> that, was, that was his only input to the whole thing and that went on for weeks before it I was like man you don't trust this guy at all but yeah as you say in the match he totally showed up there was um, so much in the match that like as Alan said they were they both played really great heels in this match the, the shoe stuff like I hated that on TV and then in Blackpool I was like oh god yeah yeah I want to do this and I remember having like walking boots on so I was like had my head down like furiously trying to untie my laces I was like they better not finish this spot before I get involved I think it was my I can say this right now I think it was the best match of the entire evening the crowd were just so hot for it like you can tell the anticipation for the match was absolutely insane there were so many great spots in the match as well like <laughs> I, I don't I'm sorry to all four of you. I don't particularly like Tyler Bate, um, but he had like a bunch of really fantastic spots in this. Like he did the double airplane spin. He did a shooting star off the apron. Um, the bit where he saves the match by like flipping James Drake into Zach Gibson when they're both in submission holds. Ah oh, man, it was so much fun to look back on. Um, just, just before the finish, Chris, there was a great spot where uh, I think it was Trent. Uh, maybe um, one of Mustache Mountain was on Gibson's shoulders, and Drake does like a suicide dive through the ropes into yeah. like a doomsday device. And it's the exact thing I wrote down is doomsday device. It was fantastic. And and Tyler Bate, because he's an absolute pro, manages to fit in like a full 450 splash before hitting the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. There's it Legion of Doom all over again. It's, it's something else. Uh... But uh, Ross, in the two years since this takeover, I mean, a lot of stuff's happened. Well, I think that's an understatement to say a lot of stuff's happened in the world. But who would have thought if you maybe, this is obviously the 12th of January, if you'd gone back, gone back to the 1st of January 2018 and then thought, in two years' time, Mustache Mountain's going to be not a much of a factor in wrestling in two years' time. But these two other guys, the grizzled young veterans, are going to become the, one of, are going to be one of the favourites to win 
the Dusty Tag Team Classic in US NXT. If somebody told you that at the beginning of 2018, would you believe them? Yeah, they in the last Dusty Cup, didn't they? They did exceptionally well. Yeah, they got the final. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um, we actually discussed this uh, the NXT uh, Blackpool Takeover preview show. If I could get that out, the NXT Takeover Blackpool One preview show. There we go. One take, professional. We talked about how important it was for James Drake to come out of this match looking good because you know talked about how he he got no say in any of the promos. It was always that Gibson. You look at the guys who were in that match. You had Tyler Bate, winner of the first UK Classic, first UK champion. You had Trent Seven, the guy who trained Tyler Bate and beat Dunn, the guy who founded Mustache Mountain, former NXT Tag Team Champion. You had Zach Gibson, who had won the UK tournament the second year. The only guy in that tournament without something to like hang his hat on was James Drake. And we know WWE, they like to beat people's achievements over over your head. You know, how many years after Jack Swagger won the world title were we still hearing when he was losing to Titus O'Neil in main event? This guy's a former world champion. You know, it's sound bites to make their superstars look good. And, you know, two years later, obviously, partly due to COVID, Mustache Mountain very cooled off. Grizzled Young Veterans, as you said, favourites to win the Dusty Cup, got to the final last year. Obviously, again, COVID affected them in NXT US, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how they go because it's been very stop-start. I think their their title run for as good as how as good as Gallus's tag title run has been uh, without the COVID aspects. Grizzled Young Veterans didn't have a great tag team title run. Nah, it wasn't the best. I think this was this is where their tag team title run peaked, but Aye. I'd agree with Chris on it. I thought it was the best match on the card, and it was a solid, solid card. And especially what you had when you're following that type of tag team match, uh, Chris, I'll go back to you. You need something big to kind of follow that up, and they did that in the form of Finn Balor coming to yeah. take on his apprentice so to say in Jordan Devlin who was originally scheduled to take on a wrestler who shall not be named for obvious yeah. reasons so in hindsight replacing him with Finn Balor is a fantastic piece of business <laughs> fantastic for footage on the network as well yeah um, he who shall not be named was big square he'd look at the state of him um, <laughs> my favourite thing is I watched back this match before uh, we came on and Sid Scala comes out after uh, Voldemort is like out injured after the suicide dive and getting thrown into the steps and <laughs> the commentator the one that isn't Nigel McGuinness what's his name again is that Vic something Vic Vic Joseph. yeah he says uh, oh there's Sid Scala the assistant to the general manager and I was like yes he watches the office brilliant um, but um, he, he gets on the mic and he goes um, we have ourselves a backup plan and I was I was looking at my mate, it was like, oh, I don't know what this is. And like I'm very naive in these situations. I don't try and guess who's gonna come out. I don't try and like figure out stuff before it happens because like for moments like this, lights go out, lights come up, it says Balor on the screen. I remember going absolutely mental. I did the arms, I sang the intro, it's all this stuff that I just hate watching on TV. I was like, look at the state of them. And then as soon as you're in the crowd, I was like, ah, this is amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, the, I remember I remember the crowd going nuts doing too sweet for ages, absolutely forever. 
and uh, even in like a shoot sense it was really cool because i think like much like what you said about Trent seven earlier like i didn't finn balor train devlin as well so it was yeah. cool to see that aspect of the match as well um and yeah there was always ever there was only ever going to be one winner um and 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 can i just throw in as well right and i want to get you guys thoughts on this right but see if you look back right devlin lost obviously but i think he's i think he proved that night and since like just how phenomenal he is like uh, like in the two years since this night hasn't he had like one of the best runs of anyone who was on this card i think he mm-hmm. i think he does i think he has like him and another lady that i'll go on to talk about later but i think he's done really well for himself i, 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 think, I think the other lady's gonna dwarf him for obvious reasons but yeah i get what you, <laughs> i get what you mean about it he has had an absolute stellar there's a point there's a point in time where he could talk he could wrestle he could flip he could do the the hard hitting stuff uh, type aspect of it. And Ross, this match, weren't you at the bar when this match <laughs> kick, was kicking off? <laughs> no way, that's amazing. Yeah, it wasn't like I was at the bar, like, you know, like when you go to get a pie at half time, like a half time in the football and the game comes back early and somebody gets a goal. No, our seats were like right next to the bar. So I went to the toilet, I came back, I went to the bar. And there's a bit where Jordan Devlin, I, I can't remember the exact promo, but he's like, I'm Ireland's greatest wrestler. You know, and then Sid Scala starts saying, we've got a replacement. And somebody next to me goes, it's Walter. I went, it'll be Bauer. <laughs> he went, why would it be Bauer? And I went, why would it be Walter? It would pa- from Bray, from Bray County, Wicklow, Ireland's greatest export. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot Walter was from Limerick. Aye, from Bray County, Wicklow, Austria, <laughs> the Ring General. <laughs> so he's like, it won't, it won't be Bala, it won't be Bala. And next minute, I just went, dun 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 dun. I'm like sitting there so smugly, <laughs> so smug. And Scott's texting me like. Where are you? Where are you? And he's just kind of looking about, and I'm just kind of like to him, like I wasn't fighting back during Bala's entrance, like trying to carry two pints and just oh <laughs> fuck there goes my drink. <laughs> so Scott kind of just looks over and like kind of like the PRK one. Do I drink? Do I drink? <laughs> and Scott's like, it's Finn Bala. Like I can see that, but I'm, I'm here now. Do you want a drink? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, point, the queues will be shorter while he's coming out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I thought because I'd heard that he was injured, and then he attacked him, and I just went, "Let's go! I'm going to the toilet." Like this would take about five minutes. The whole, the over, the over the top wrestling injury with the stretchers and everything. You know, what I mean, local medical facility in Blackpool, England, and stuff like that. You know. St Margaret's Hospice, just over the top, and I managed to get to the bar back, have a conversation, prove some knobhead wrong who thought Walter was the brave, um, and still see it. So I, I, I was at the bar. To short answer your question there, uh, Stephen. Yes, ah, you took the long way around to that answer there. Um, I know, I know. <laughs> Alan, it's quite crazy because to think to think back in hindsight, I'm sure uh, Balor was in the was fighting Brock for the title like two weeks later at the Rumble and he was in Blackpool you know fighting he's some Joe Blog <laughs> no some Joe Blog fighting Jordan Dare it was something they kind of see if you kind of followed the media coverage of this takeover there was a point a picture got leaked out where uh, 
Balor was there doing all the press stuff, and there's, a, there's a, somebody gets a picture of the two of them having a conversation on the apron of the ring at the performance center in the UK, and you're like, nah, surely not, surely not. They're, no, they're not going to do that, but they did, and it obviously popped a popped a something for the US uh, viewers. Yeah, I mean, I think they needed something to bring viewers from the US and abroad, and um, there really wasn't any. That point, the sort of people were on it. None of them were main stage names that could pull people in. It's different now, two years down the road. But they needed something, um, and I'm a bit like Chris. I hate the spoilers, and I'm guilty of myself. I've done it in our group chat. People do it. it drives me mental spoilers i like to just be in the moment and just go with it and i thought it was incredible he came out i popped um when back it's quite obvious he was a perfect replacement but the show wouldn't have been successful globally without having him there they needed the first ever universal champion you know to come and take on his prodigy and put him in his place sort of thing um it was really well done really well received it was a good match as well uh, my only criticism it was too short and he, uh, I just wish it went a wee bit longer but you know it was a phenomenal moment the only thing I'd, I'd say there would be uh, I think the reason they kept it short was I think they knew the live crowd would still be going mental because you know as, as you said Stephen two weeks later he's fighting Brock Lesnar for the Universal title it's one of these ones when you see the pictures leading up to it we were on the group chat going He's there to open the performance centre, you know what I mean? They're shaking hands and kissing babies and, you know, he's obviously not going to wrestle. Jink Vince McMahon's going to risk and it was like, oh, Christ, he's there. Like, the crowd was electric even after the match. Like, there was still this buzz about the place. Um, but I think the reason they kept the match so short was a case of live crowd popped. They'll still be buzzing. But it does have to be on a big four pay-per-view in two weeks' time. I think it was like risk assessment. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's an interesting tactic, this, because we've seen it a, a year later, or sorry, we've seen it in Cardiff take over. Um, somebody from the US coming, well, actually, we've also seen it in Blackpool too. Somebody box office from the US coming across, um, but not being advertised in advance. So it didn't sell any more tickets. It didn't get more people to watch the show live, but it did get across a, oh, you really should watch this live because stuff stuff goes down here and people may have went in to watch it. And we're saying it was a, a shorter match. It was 11 minutes, 45 seconds. So it wasn't the shortest um, match on the show, but these two could have easily did a 30, 40 minute match. Um, no, no, no problem at all. I mean... Speaking of the shortest match on the show, does anybody have any points they would like to raise of Mastiff versus Eddie Dennis? You know? I love this match. Absolutely. Yeah. Quite I liked it. Yeah. Just a... I like, I like, okay, okay. <laughs> 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 maybe maybe it had guys. to be there, to be honest. Maybe it had to be there. Two, car- big guys, two big guys beating the hell out of each other. Some great spots in the match. You know, Mastiff's... Um, uh, springboard somersault was incredible. Um, the the razor's edge that Eddie Dennis did, uh, where you could see his leg buckling under him, <laughs> <laughs> drop massive on the stairs. I thought it was a really good fun match to watch. Aye, it, it's it's a tried and true uh, WWE sort of thing. The two big guys just knocking lumps to each other on the middle of the card. 
And this one actually had some impressive spots, you know. Dave Mastiff does look flips and all that, which you shouldn't be able to do. Eddie Dennis looks a sort of like straight up and down guy, but he's surprisingly strong. And a lot of the spots in this match, I really enjoyed this match. This was my, I think this was my favourite match of the card. Like when I seen it live, when I watched it back, it changed. But like just some of the spots that were hitting it with. I think it's a harder one. I think it's a harder one when you're watching it at the time on the TV type idea, you know. But I can understand the live aspect of it because see when you're at a live show, see when they, there's two guys beating lumps of each other, you know. It's something else. That does do any of you just out of curiosity? I mean, he's had like a million and one injuries, you know. Do you, any of you think Eddie Dennis could have been some somewhere bigger on the card if he didn't have like all those injuries? Hundred um, percent. Yeah, I, I I think that um you can look at it. I I don't know whether that this was like a chicken and the egg situation, but like Eddie Dennis was progress world champion six months after this, so you could he was a bit of a hot ticket at the time. Um, and the build up to this match on the TV show was like they they sold it pretty well. It was like right, well I'm really good at battering people. Are you as good at me as me at battering people? Um, the the razor's edge I think might have been my favourite move of the whole yeah. night. It was just I was like oh my god, how is he doing this? Um, it was a bit of redemption as well because like Dave Mastiff was pish on world of sport like he was just crap yeah. oh, anybody great. good on world of sport yeah that's true G- great yeah. great or maybe maybe world of sport as well what's his uh, face creator creator maybe came across but you know um and i loved his uh i loved mastiff's cannonball and through the table at the end um i do feel like eddie could have done something but as you say he's like totally hampered by inj- is he like out injured right now is that why he's, he's a manager? He's, he's came back from an injury. Aye. Right. He's, he gets injured so much, you know, he is. Which is it's difficult because it's, it's like the Finn Balor situation. It's like, can you can you be trusted now to be a, a, to be something? So it's, it's almost out of his hands as to whether he's like a good enough competitor and good enough talker to, to do something big. Especially because, and I'm, I'm, we'll talk about this more later on, but like NXT UK suffers from this massive issue that see the champion the champion is so much bigger than the rest of the company like yeah. it's it's so difficult to find anyone that can be the champion of nxt uk because their that belt seems to just supersede the actual show and the rest of the roster so much so like it, yeah eddie could be something is he ever going to be nxt uk uh, sorry wwe uk champion i'm not sure clip this up it's and play up. it back to me when i'm wrong we, we talked um sorry about the last match about he who shall not be named he was he was another one uh finn balor's uh, sorry jordan devlin's original opponent was someone who was often primed for big things you know getting to the final of the second tournament just losing out they always seemed to try to do redemption storylines with him and then near the end of his tenure there it was just sort of like he was there yeah. You know what I mean? As if they'd given up with him, it's just like, oh, but he's great. He won't let in and get him down. Like, that sounds like the positive guy you work with. <laughs> uh, he made uh, a very obvious statement, a number of poor decisions. One of them was 
taking an independent booking the night before the first NXT UK taping and getting an injury, or the week before, getting an injury and then missing that first chunk of tapings and therefore the, the you know, trains were running and he wasn't wasn't part of it. Otherwise, it would have been a, a, a bigger deal. But I thought this this match between Mastiff and Dennis was, you know, elevated them both. And I love, you know, NXT takeovers generally there's a wee bit of a theme too you always have your championship match you always have your women's championship match tag team title match um is is always there and then you've kind of like got an upper mid card type match and generally some sort of exhibition match uh, and mastiff and dennis were, were great uh did that it was something different because you'd had um, you know, two more sort of technical matches beforehand, and this was just something completely different on on the show. So I thought it was really good catering for different tastes. Yeah, uh, I'm going to move on to the next match now. I'm going to go to Alan in this one. Uh, Alan, it was the match for the NXT UK Women's Championship. It was Tony Storm challenging the champion at the time, who was one Rhea Ripley. Now, if you we talk. Chris kind of alluded to it earlier in the show about a wrestler who's kind of took it, taken off in the time since his takeover. I think since mid-2018, if you just look look back at this show and then look at the trajectory, the six months before it and the trajectory since, there's no wrestler, female or probably male, in WWE, you can maybe argue out with WWE as well, who has evolved and grew as a star so much as Rhea Ripley. No, there really isn't. Um, you know, I remember when I seen her in Glasgow, like yourselves, uh, she just had a star quality written all over her. There was just, she had that it factor, which was very, very different. And, you know, <laughs> you see what I mean? Like, for me, this was actually a match of the night. I thought that was really delivered. Um, I think the world of Tony Storm, I think she's a world-class no, athlete. I think she's a brilliant wrestler. And I think she's going to go on to do amazing things and eventually I think she will end up being Raw or Women's Smackdown's champion in the next five years as well. Rhea, but Rhea's kind of this up-and-coming generation, Charlotte, which is why they put her last, for WrestleMania last year because they both have that it factor. And Rhea, for me, when she finally does transition to the main roster, whatever that means these days, she's going to be the pinnacle of that division, and everyone's going to have to come up to her level. And, you know, it'll be, it'll be a long time before I think we see anyone coming up to really challenge that. I mean, Tony Storm's brilliant, she really is, but she's like, she's just short. She's a bit like to me, Bailey. She's fantastic, but she's not the top of the mountain. Mm. Speaking of Bailey, I'll go on to Gary. And uh, this uh, Gary McKenna, Rhea Ripley, when WWE signed her for the main Young Classics, you could tell that they they've, knew there was something in there. Maybe it wasn't as obvious, especially in Rhea's first May Young Classic. But the likes of Tony Storm, I mean, six months earlier, Tony Storm wins the May Young Classic, chooses to go to NXT UK to, to cash her opportunity, does not. Well, this is what this is, but she enters, essentially enters a tournament and doesn't win the tournament. And then it's coming into catch-up, essentially, coming into this one. Do you think the way they did that with Tony Storm going into this match maybe made her momentum feel a bit flat than it should have been? Yeah, um, I, think, I think so. Um, I think so. I can understand why, because, you know, it, giving the title to Rhea, making her the first champion, made... 
made her something a wee bit like the making grizzled young veterans. They needed the belt more than mustache mounting. Mustache mount, sorry. So I think that it helped. But it's just it's so fascinating. And one of the reasons I love doing these shows is when you look back and see where they are now. Because at this time to me, Tony Storm was was the star and actually in terms of status and in, in the company now i think rhea ripley's star is shining much brighter than tony's at the moment uh, this star this match was given an a rating by bleacher report um so it's certainly up there uh, with others uh, in terms of uh, quality and so on it was a it was a good match the crowd were really behind tony and there was a great pop when she when the title was changed hands and she she came victorious there but i thought um you know we said earlier on about some days uh, grizzled young veterans title run peaking uh, at this show i think the same could be said tony storm's run in nxt uk here um this was the peak for her what she went on to do after this um a wee, wee, wee bit disappointing. Uh, I don't think she, she was one of the stars in the May Young Classic. You know, the first tournament she stood out, whereas Rhea Ripley was forgettable in the first tournament. The second tournament, as she said, Stephen, she she won it. You know, she looked like she was somebody that the company's going to st- strap the rocket to. Uh, a year and a bit later, she's not as far ahead as I'd thought. She, well, developed as thought she could and should be and should I emphasize the word should because I think she is tremendous mm-hmm. yeah uh, in terms of the match itself uh, Ross what was your thoughts on the actual encounter here I don't have any strong feelings on it because I can remember a lot of things like a lot of things from the other matches in the card I, I can't remember anything that really stood out in this I, match I, 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 I felt quite similarly I don't really I would actually quite feel to say no disrespect to any of the ones involved, really. But see the three uh, takeover shows, mm. or most of the takeover shows. Sorry, I don't know. It might be three, maybe more. I guess one or two. I don't. I can barely remember a lot of what happened in the women's matches. Don't remember much from Tony Storm's defense against Kaylee Ray. I can't remember if, if, what the women's match was. Well, we'll talk about it later on in the one takeover Blackpool actually off the top of my head and uh, the triple threat. Uh, Wales and Cardiff was it Cardiff the, the, the triple threat oh, was triple it, threat, I'll yeah, get myself mixed yeah. up the triple threats one so any of those three see they're not quite forgettable I don't actually remember what happened I can't remember it's the match it's because you're hosting this show sitting drinking <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Campbell doing quiz it's not, like, it's not like Campbell doing quiz showdown <laughs> you're, like, you're like Terry Wogan in Eurovision <laughs> oh, I, I wish I could critique you guys like uh, Terry Wogan critiques the uh, people as I nearly spill my drink. Uh, Chris, do you remember that about the match? <laughs> yes. Oh, right, yes. I never got a fucking word in about my opinion. <laughs> you took over. Remember it? <laughs> Ross, are you, are you go, Ross. Thank you, Chris. You, you're a great volunteer. Um, <laughs> just, just on the the star power of Rhea Ripley, uh, that we we're talking about. See something I think that makes her stand out, and it's something that we say about a lot of people that have star power. She's got a great theme music. Like in the era of WWE where there's so many generic themes, hers is so different and so, so like captivating. Like it, as soon as you hear it, you're like, that's Rhea Ripley. It's not like, a, like the Women's Royal Rumble, I love and hate at the same time because you hear the old the old theme songs and you're like, oh yes, it's, you know, it's, it's Kelly Kelly, it's Layla, it's Michelle McCool, whereas like, you hear her music and it's just like, 
It does. Honestly, talking about this show, it does. It like this was before I even met Haley, and I'm loving with her. So it just it, to me, it feels like another lifetime ago. But um, it's just it's such a um, it's such a weird thought to think we thought it, like Joe was going to win. It's not a not a, sl- a slight on Joe. It's more a case of NXT wasn't live at the time. You know, it was only an hour long. The UK title wasn't being defended on um, US takeovers. And all the UK stuff was taped like four months in advance. So we were like, right, he's got to this stage with the title. He's not going to lose it at like, you know, ICW fight night. He's not going to lose it. Fight night. (laughs) He's not going to lose it at Space Boss. You know what I mean? He's not going to lose it. He's not going to lose it on a taped NXT or a taped NXT UK because when he loses that title, it has to be a wow moment. Like, uh, because the danger you run when you get to these amazing length title runs is how do you end it? How 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 will you take the title off them? And I think because we thought this was the first time NXT UK was going live, that we just thought. Uh, he, he's losing it here. They're going to, you know, they did the big baller pop to get people in. They did, you know, the tag team title tournament. They'd done, you know, the women's title change. They had the two big lads knocking lumps at each other. You're like, how do you top that? How do you end that show and send everyone home happy? you end the longest title reign in WWE at that time. And it's silly to think back now, now that we know what we know, that we ever thought that was going to happen. Aye, but one thing one thing to mention, Alan, is give credit to Joe Coffee. He went 34, 35 minutes with Pete Dunne, and he didn't look too bad actually coming out of it. I thought it was one of the better Joe Coffee performances, I'd say. Yeah, I thought Joe was quite stellar throughout this match. Um, I mean, I'm really I was gutted he didn't win. I think <laughs> I really felt that I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of long, long title runs. Uh, I think it becomes still boring to me. Done was boring at this point. I kind of saw in the same situation, the same situation at the moment with uh, Walter. But I thought Coffee showed he could be a champion. He could carry a company. His performance in this match. Um, I'm disappointed in one. I don't think he's ever going to get a chance to win it now uh, because of things that I found outside of wrestling. But at this point, I, I thought he deserved it. He should he should have had the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gary, Pete Dunne showed that he was rightfully the place he'd been in that UK division for the pretty much the full time it was there. You know, he pretty much got himself onto a pedestal. I think it'd be mentioned earlier on that it was, but. It was hard not to put him on that one, just the level of performances he was putting on, on the brand. I, a, a tremendous, just tremendous performer, tremendous worker. And this match, I, I enjoyed this match. I, I thought it was exciting. I thought the title was going to change hands. But one of the things I liked about it was it felt like a main event in terms of the, the pace of it. It built and they, they had plenty of time to tell a story and I, I really liked that it started off slow and then it got a bit technical and then we started seeing some of the big moves come out and there were loads of near falls uh, along along the way um so i really liked that part to it and you know they kicked out of each other's finishers near kill each other at one point i think they killed each other twice i think they tried it didn't they if i remember right on yeah. the top row. um 
And the finish of it as well uh, was a bit surprising as well with the fingers uh, snap into the submission there. Um, so, uh, but what it did do, the, I mean, if Walter hadn't been signed and Walter hadn't come out, you know, that then set us off in the races with Pete Dunne and Walter. If that hadn't transpired in a sliding doors moment, I could, have, I still could see the title of changing hands then, because then it would give you, you know, you know, Pete could then potentially chase the title, or Tyler Bake could come back into the title picture to freshen things up. But we had this cracking big new feud, Walter uh, and Pete Dunne, and the debut of Walter. You know, there was a. There was a massive pop in the arena that night. Um, uh, massively excited about that. Um, loved it. One of the things I didn't like about Walter's debut was Pete, uh, was Joe Coffey be sort of being cast aside, which would be you know, history would repeat itself to some some extent. You know, he got back up and he you know, was kicked off the the off the the rope. Uh, sorry, off the apron and fell out of the title picture for a year. Fell, fell away from the main event for a year. At that point, um, yeah, but I, I really enjoyed this main event. I still enjoy watching it back. But they Chris, you mentioned uh, earlier on this kind of felt like an ending of a series one type aspect of it, and uh, we got a big cl- and the debut of Walters like a big cliffhanger that you get. Uh, you wonder what's going to happen next, and it kind of transitions as well into what you said earlier on about the champion being bigger than the brand. Pete Dunn was that guy and he needed somebody like Walter to come in and take it off and then as we now go, we're still in the reign of Walter, you know. So it's kind of like, what's going to end series two type aspect, you know? Absolutely. absolutely. You took the word out of my mouth. Like, um, Pete Dunn on this night, I think the commentator said it was 603 days. 603 days, like, best part of two years. Um, and I am a self-confessed massive Joe Coffey mark and in the run-up to the match, I was like, I think he could win this. Like, they had the contract signing before the match. I thought Joe absolutely ran all over Pete Dunne. Like, Joe is not the best on the mic, and I think you'll admit that. But he just destroyed Pete Dunne. All Pete could do was just sit and scowl at him while holding his belt. Like, he he just he said stuff like, why are you the champion? You're only the champion because I've not been here before. And I was like brilliant pete doesn't reply he just goes um and then pete gets the sort of upper hand by you know cracking his fingers and saying that he talks too much um they had that match at the qmu in glasgow for joe's icw title i don't know if any of you remember that back in 2017 so we'd seen a little bit of this before um when joe came out i was doing the iron man i was believing he could win it there was all sorts of highlights um i thought that he did perform really well for like 90 percent of the match like um, the Boston Crab where he's stamping on Pete Dunne's head, uh, he does a sit-out powerbomb on the apron um, but the longer it went on I was like yeah Pete's going to win this um, Joe's finisher, the, the like the end of the match I, I didn't really like, Joe's finisher the discus clothesline, it's just way too slow and a bit rubbish and a bit predictable and then they had that awful awful spot that Gary talked about where they went up on the top rope and then they fell down and they went up on the top rope again and then they fell down again and like they they also did my least favorite spot in wrestling which happened in the opening match as well which you'll have seen in icw a hundred times two people are sometimes optional extra four people they'll get in the ring at opposite sides they'll look at each other and then quick punches 
and it doesn't result in anything and i hate it and nxt do it and icw do it and it's just it's it's like oh god i hate it so much but they did a bit of that um and then of course the the the, the thing that i feel is that joe and i hate saying this it tears my heart out like joe underperformed a bit there was a couple of botches a couple of missed spots um and i'm not really sure he works in long matches like this um, nah, like his worst match in my opinion is that awful Jack Gallagher Iron Man match from Square Goal maybe in like 2014 where I, I was yeah, like what, 20, was just, 2015, what, I, 20. yeah or 2015 I remember just um, I think I went and sat in like Polar Bar and <laughs> waiting for it to be done um, but to be fair, Chris, nobody goes to a Square Goal or a Royal Rumble to watch the undercard yeah but but i wanted i want to come back by saying i think that he earned his spot as an nxt uk main event or this night um but as i said earlier i think the story of nxt uk is that the champion is on a much bigger level than the rest of the company like you could see that immediately afterwards with what their next plans were with uh walter and and just how like going from pete dunn to like walter like guys like in my opinion guys like tyler Bate, guys like joe coffee are nowhere near that level they're just not like pete dunn maybe wasn't at the start of his run but he was by the end and walter stepped into the company as a huge uh indie star i was gonna say i'm just gonna flip on to the next one though because for time's sake on it but it's a good time to kind of flip directly into the main event of the next year's takeover one which three four of our panel saw live again as well the uh the walter Joe Coffey rematch. Uh, Joe Coffey getting his rematch on Walter. You know, it was kind of like deja vu, long champion. I know many Russia. We talked to Ellen, and you kind of thought Joe Coffey could have won the match in 2019. Did you have any thought that he was going to win the match in 2020? No, no, absolutely not. It hurts to say, but I thought Pete Dunne was going to NXT US like full time uh, at the end of 2019. So I don't think he'd be about for the Walter feud. I thought um, Joe Coffey was going to be a placeholder for Walter. Obviously, he he ended up being a placeholder for Walter, but just not as a champion. And the title match, you know, it was big man versus big man. It was really good, um, but I, I honestly didn't see him see him winning. Um, another great match, though. They can't fault him. He did earn his spot. Something I, I, I wasn't a big fan of of Joe Coffee, ICW Joe Coffee, because I think I missed like the best of him. I was sort of just seeing uh, the the guy that returned at Baromania 2018 and had okay matches, but not as good as like everything I was hearing about this Joe Coffey guy. And whether people like to admit it or not, when people get signed by WWE, the the level of fitness and the level of in ring quality goes up from your local indie promotion. Like it, it, it does. It, it's why they're in WWE. And I think Joe thrives in that sort of environment, whereas like in other environments, and it wasn't until, I won't say the wrestler, because no disrespect to the wrestler, but he was in a match in ICW, and I was watching him have this match, and it was like, he's slowing down for his opponent. Joe is an incredibly fit human being, although we said long matches aren't his strong suit. He's an incredibly fit human being, and he was like slowing down the pace, whereas with people like Walter and Pete Dunne, who are just that level above, they sort of made Joe kick it up a gear, and I think that's what made both main events go so so great because I, I thought they were both really good. But unfortunately, again, you know, history repeats itself. At the end of the match, we're not talking about Joe Coffey, we're talking about Undisputed Era, <laughs> just like we were talking about Walter a year earlier. 
it's just sort of he felt like a placeholder in both Blackpool shows. Uh, yeah, Gary, do you think the fact that for two years in a row they chuck Joe Coffey in a main event and overshadowed him for two years in a row is quite harsh on Joe? Yeah, I actually I think the finish of this match, and I know. I know in wrestling you can lose matches and still get over, but I think the finish of this match hurt Joe. I say at the time, I still believe it a year later. I watched it back for this. The, there was elements in this match which was quite similar to the Cardiff takeover with Walter, and, with Walter took on Tyler Bate. Bate uh, hadn't been anywhere near the top of the card, but they needed somebody to challenge for the title, and then suddenly, oh, we only got a short period to build to it, so we throw somebody in. I felt the same with Joe. He was throwing, you know, there wasn't a big build for him to uh, establish them at this point. The finish of the, you know, two really hard fought long matches where they threw everything at one another, and at the end, it was a bit of a, you know, sort of beating them down. I could have seen, you know, you know, Walter hit him with a couple of power bombs in a row, you know, something like that. You know, I've given it my all, and it's just one too many. And the kind of finish that we had with Tyler Bate, there was, uh, but the the finish of this one was there was the tap out into this sort of sleeper or the sleeper hold, and then sort of down in the ground with a sort of sort of sleeper hold, sort of chin lock type move. I just thought, oh, no, not 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 to that. Um, it, was, it, was, it was DCT Jackie Polo level in ICW. Uh, it was a, it was a move that you see so often in wrestling that it becomes nothing. It's like a headlock uh, uh, for that very reason, Stephen, or a, an armbar. Uh, sorry, um, not an armbar. Suicide guys are now going in that way. You see them so often. You just they become nothing moves. That I think both wrestlers actually have moves that they should never do again. Uh, I agree with Chris with the, the Joe's finisher with all the best of the bells. He hit Joe with this. Uh, sorry, Joe hit Walter with that move a couple of times, and it, it, it didn't look great uh, in terms of the false finish. And then Walter should never do that big splash off the top rope. It looks horrendous as far as I'm concerned. Gary, I've, na- uh, I've named it the the doggy splash because he assumes uh, a sort of dog position and then just jumps up, and it looks mince. It looks like. Yeah, it it looks horrific. I hate it. Like, <laughs> I get yeah. that that was like the third last move in the match, but it was it was so terrible. Uh, so really one good one, and I think it was in the match with Pete Dunn, and it was for a false finish, I, I believe, where he just decided, ah, oh, fuck it, <laughs> like, didn't get the dog position. He just he sort of did more of a cat-like position in this one. <laughs> he really, yeah. really falls a belter in one doing one splash. I remember. Decks it completely. It's absolutely mental. But uh, Alan, and even though it's, even though it kind of take away from Joe, you know, it still must be cool seeing Undisputed Era come out live through the crowd <laughs> in Blackpool. Yeah, I mean, I forget Quacko, and I, I just said to them, well, over there, I went, I just guess feeling they're going to appear, and I asked them, and I just thought I can just see it happening. And we were joking, like, can you imagine if we see on the Sweet Era and Hockney isn't there? Because he's like the biggest mark for them out. And, you know, what was amazing about it is it's just how quickly they, they appeared. Because you have that couple of seconds and you think, right, are they, are they ending up nothing? And you're like, no. And then it was the way the screaming started. You heard a murmur. Because, well, Gary, 
Quack and I were were to the left of the bar, and if you're looking from the stage out, we're like to the left of the ring, and you started hearing this screaming coming from the back in the night, and the screaming getting louder and faster, and it were powerful as it kind of comes along, and the next thing, you just see this wave of hair, and it's Adam Cole, sprint, and then you just, you just see the other body, you just see parts of the bodies coming over, and then they just take out you know, Walter. <laughs> it's just like, oh my god. And I'm sitting here, I can't believe, you know, half an hour early, I'm standing under Triple H. Like, my god, I'm not even looking at Tyler Bate getting a 10 minute round of applause, which my name's still too short. I'm going, my god, that's Triple H. That's Triple H, right? <laughs> and then you see Adam Cole, who, for this point, was, for me, was the best wrestler in the world. Um, honestly, they were just untouchable. And I'm like, they're in Blackpool? Really? Blackpool's Blackpool's a place of greatness. They sell it out so well. It's like they went to add. It's like, do you want to come to Blackpool for a weekend? Like, wake up to Blackpool uh, for three minutes work. (laughs) Blackpool is like the Kirky of of England. You know, it's like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I said it, and I mean it. But it's not special. I mean, and it's like, oh my god, boy from Paisley. (laughs) I guess in Europe. Biggest I love how you said uh, we saw we saw this flowing hair coming from the coming from the crowd. You're like it certainly wasn't Gary. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, at this point, you know, like Gary was behind me. I was being the big mark, going, "Oh my god, running to the front!" So I think, and uh, <laughs> it was just unbelievable to say I've actually been in the same arena. And it, the best bit about it was WWE kicked their mouth shut. They didn't release any spoilers, any teasers. They kept it stum, and that's the way these impact moments should be happening. We shouldn't be getting told, or there should be releases or spoilers like such as such as coming. Nobody had a clue. Fans wanted that, but never heard anything. And it happened, and it just made the moment even more special because the fact was, we never thought we'd get it, and there they were standing there at the end. It was tremendous. You didn't mention Triple H, Alan, and. Triple H was obviously there. He came out to give a lovely round of applause to Gary's four yep. more mentioned favourite wrestler and uh, Tyler Bate. And Gary takes on Jordan Devlin here in a match that people said was one of the most anticipated on the cards. Would you agree with that assessment from watching it live? Yeah, I thought I thought this was match of the night. Um, so people would will say the tag match was match of the night, but. Uh, and there's no wrong answer because they were both great, but the this was a wrestling the wrestling match tonight. The 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 tag match was full of spots, um, the ladder match. But yeah, this was this this was was fantastic. And Alan said at the end of the match, you had everybody up on their feet clapping um, for for a good length of time. There was a moment in the match, lots of uh, you know, great technical wrestling, lots of reversals. Some nice spots on it, Spanish fly move, um, which at that time wasn't as used as often as it seems to be getting used now. <laughs> dive. Um, I remember the, the near fall when Bate hit, um, hit Tyler Drive. I thought it was finished. Uh, Devlin got out, and I thought, oh, actually, no, Devlin's going to win this because he's not been successful at a, a takeover show before. So I was getting you know, proper caught up in the moment, just being a fan, reacting to what I'd seen, um, re- cheering at all the, the near falls and so on. But I remember the finish of the match was, you know, uh, I mean, 
bit surprising, a wee bit like the the main event where it didn't finish with a move that you traditionally see the wrestler do. Because I think this one finished, if I remember right, with the the corkscrew senton bomb of the top rope. Spiral so, tap, AJ used to call it. <laughs> so it was a move that you know. It was a wee bit surprising to see it finish with that, but I thought it was a cracking performance. Uh, I, I really uh, enjoyed this match, and something that you know, if anybody's not seen it, go back to look. But we actually, you know, you take two of your most talented wrestlers and you put them in the ring. Um, you know, good things, good things happen from it, and the, you know, when during the match there was lots of this is awesome chance fight forever from the from the crowd. Folk, folk were eating it up. Chris, as good as a match, can you forgive a good match like this to have your fisticuffs that you, did, you said you didn't like? There was a good bit of that in the middle. Uh, do you know what? The, do you know what this match? And obviously, I watched it back, uh, having not been at the the event, like. Tyler Bate and Jordan Devlin are really well matched. Um, I loved um, Tyler showing off his strength throughout the whole match, picking him up above his head. Like um, Jordan Devlin did an amazing surfboard. Um, what else was there? Tyler's standing shooting star and airplane spin again were absolutely brilliant. Uh, Jordan Devlin does the top rope Spanish flies. Gary mentioned. Um, and then the the finishing moves, Gary says, not in his like regular Arsenal as well, which I thought it was good. Like I, this, I, I I thought this match was way better than it had any real business been. So um, this was another. There was two matches on this card that when I watched them back, I was like, I wish I was there watching this live. Uh, that was one of them. The other one's quite obvious, um, but I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah, I think you mean the ladder match. <laughs> I do mean the ladder match. <laughs> I mean, I remember. Alan, you when you reviewed this uh, show, you were raving about that ladder match. Yeah, I, that was the match of the night for me. I, I was so heavily invested because obviously at that time it was a draft, and I had Kaylee Ray and Gallus, and it's I went from like mid table to a runaway lead, which sadly fell away uh, at the end. So I was running away with it, and I was so excited about that. So that was an emphasis on that, but also as a proud Scotsman. I really wanted the Triple Crown, I wanted Kayleigh to win, I wanted Gallus to win, I wanted Joey to win, and Scotland to have all the titles. And it was it had everything this match, I had all the spots, um, you know, when Wolfie went through one of the tables, it looked like he genuinely got injured. There was people there actually going, I think he's done, I think like, people were like, oh my god, he's not getting up. Um, and it had, it had absolutely everything. And, you know, because I was so invested because of those reasons, I almost lost my voice during this match. And that's why if you look in the, if you actually look back, you see me screaming like a banshee on the telly because I am praying for Gallus to which I get the points. So they retain. But it also it just shows how good they actually are, how WWE actually feel about them. Because you look at the quality of the rest of the performers in that match, you know, you've got the boys from, um, God, my mind just went blank. Blank. Oh, I can't even speak. <laughs> yeah, the yeah the Birium, the grizzled young veteran, and Anderson yeah. Webster. Anderson Webster. Yeah, and you know. Vets. Yeah, and Imperium, you know, they've now been NXT champions, so it shows what WWE thinking of them. And for Gallus to go over a lot of these guys and to have the type of match that I just think it shows what they actually think of them backstage and how well they are thought of. And I just love 
loved the match. I just, I, to me, there wasn't a boring point in the match. I was totally engrossed from the moment they came out. And it's not often I can say that in a match because I can get quite bored quite easily watching a lot of matches, especially tag team matches. But this was just, it had everything in it. It was a brilliant match. And I mean, I know Meltzer rated it. Uh, let me just see everybody he rated it. He rated it here three and a half stars. Meltzer's talking his ass. At bare minimum, it should be four, four. <laughs> four and a half to maybe four point seven five, at least. It was an absolute screamer. That's a bold rating for a, a match that went down in Blackpool and not in Tokyo, <laughs> uh, or uh, Flo- or in Daly's place in Florida. Uh, <laughs> Ross, uh, that was a joke. AEW's ought to be quite decent. Ross, these two matches I just mentioned: the Tyler Bate Jordan Devil match and the ladder match. They're such chalk and cheese. You know, you get that one match, technical, two guys. Mm-hmm really at it and then you just get a match where people watch try to kill each other yeah I liked the ladder match the only thing I I didn't like about it was the winner and I, I did nothing against uh, Gallus it was just the fact that they were building this whole you know the Undisputed Prophecy Undisputed Era had all four belts and then all of a sudden you know they're going up against Imperium and you've got Walter there as a champion you're thinking Right, they're maybe going to get the tag titles because I think around about this time did Keith Lee not win the title? Around about this time from Roddy, so I think yes, they had, he did. I think they had like three titles by the time the match came round. <laughs> they had about three titles when the match came round, and then yeah, I thought they were going to put you know the tag titles on them, and it would be like this big thing where it'd be like tag champs and world champ of the brand, and you know the other guy just facing off. But, but like Alan said, there wasn't a dull moment in the match, you know, all four guys, all four very different different teams, you know, you had the flippy shit, uh, together it's technical term, uh, Webster's and Andrews, you had, you know, uh, Gibson and James Drake's, no wonder they don't let him speak, Chris, I completely forgot his name now, <laughs> you, you know, you're their technical side, uh, Fabian Eichner is just a freak of nature. He's got the technical side, he's got the high flying side. Yeah. The old JBL saying moves like a cruiserweight, hits like a heavyweight. And then you had Gallus, you know, Wolfie's no stranger to Swan Tom and off the top of a cage. So, so many different styles mesh so well. I think every single person got a moment in that match. There was nobody in that match where, like, they, they were just there to get belted with ladders. That used to be Bubba Dudley's role. He used to get belted <laughs> with ladders. He would then do the thing where he'd put the ladder on his head and spin and then put somebody through a table and that was it. That was all Bubba Dudley did. <laughs> and I, everybody did something new. And as you said, Tyler Bate, Jordan Devlin, they went 22 minutes. I honestly thought they went shorter than that. It didn't feel like 22 minutes. It was amazing start to finish. And, you know, th- these were the final three matches. It was Devlin Bate, right, Devlin Bate, uh, the tag match and then the main event and every match just kind of I felt delivered. Mm-hmm. Chris, obviously you, you mentioned just there that this was a this ta- these, that match tied the ladder match and this one came to you. What did you really like about the ladder match? Anything I just thought the guys said? yeah. Well, um, what Ross said, like um, it was the per- perfect combo of we flippy guys and your big power guys with even a few guys occupying the void in between those two styles of offense there was loads of great like tag team and moves as well like even before they got to all the tables and ladders bits like they did that for a good bit at the start which i loved i i I just kept thinking like i would be going mental if i was at this match live um 
much like Tony Storm, I don't care at all about Flashman. Like they're just an awful. Oh, awful... He, 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 he got a doing from the crowd in those uh, Glasgow tapes. He got ripped. Well, I don't know if you's—I don't know if um, I was with you guys or not because we've been at a fair few IZW shows. But um, uh, Flash Morgan Webster did a Battleland show. It might have been a—it um, might have been a square go. I'm not—I'm not sure exactly. But um, I was with Stacy, another ESSR member, and I was like, "He's mince. Like, look at the absolute state of him." And then at like half time, Stacy and Upton was like. Chris thinks you're immense. And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, Flash, you're just a bit rubbish. <laughs> Chris <laughs> like, critiquing the wrestlers. <laughs> I know. Hello. <laughs> but like, see, see in typical dumb fashion from Mandrews, he is in a position to win the match and he flips off the ladder onto Mark Coffey instead. I was oh, like, such a, such a Welsh Jeff Hardy. I was like, that just sums you up. Like, Nigel McGuinness literally screams, what are you doing? I was like the absolute state of this. Um, you had the amazing. You just kind of touched on this. The amazing Imperium combo moonsault ladder springboard thing, uh, which I was thought was brilliant. Uh, they had the bit where all the ladders were in the ring. It just looked like a building site for a wee bit with just ladders upright and five ladders at one point. Yeah, it was mental. And then everyone in their ante goes through the table. Eventually, the Gallus boys win it, and yeah, I, much like Alan, kind of don't care much for retentions and title matches because it makes you think the match was pointless. But this one, I was like, that match was amazing. <laughs> yeah, Gad is in. You want to add about that ladder match? Yeah, there's one thing uh, just to say, Alan. Um, you mentioned Meltzer. The, the Bleacher Report that I was looking at gave this an A rating. This match, which I think is much more deserving. But there was yeah, a great, there was a there was a great moment outside the ring because it was just in front of us, Alan. You probably remember the massive ladder. We got the two tables up, set up. I think between the ring apron and the barrier, and you had uh, the idea was Mark Coffey was on one side, I think Wolfie was the other, and the uh, Andrews and Webster were going to go off either side and go through them. But Coffey's table broke. Uh, just with them lying on it. So the two of them, I think they did a, 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 a kind of Spanish fly move. Both of them landed in Wolfie. And it's like, you know, and I seen that, I just thought, fuck that. <laughs> you know, I don't get paid enough to have the two of them fall on top of you. It was a great spot. I think the boys have said everything else, Stephen. It was a, you know, a match that was just full of action. It was frenetic from start to finish. And actually, um, uh, it was some again. You know, I mentioned it earlier on about Mastiff and Eddie Dennis match when we were talking about the first takeover. It was just completely different to anything else we'd had in the show before. Mm. Completely different. Yeah, it was something else. I thought it was chaotic exuberance. I thought it was to, to use a, a fancy fancy word. I thought it was quite <laughs> a lot of fun to watch. Now, uh, Ross mentioned obviously the. Tyler Bate Devlin match lasted about 21-22 minutes. The opening two matches on this show lasted less than that combined match. 21 minutes and 30 seconds, a minute less. Uh, there was Kaylee Ray defending a title against Tony Storm and Piper Niven. Piper and Eddie Dennis taking on Trent Seven. Now, this might just be me. And I'm not a hater of Eddie Dennis for the sounds of thing. I really like Eddie Dennis. It sounds like this show, I really don't like Eddie Dennis's matches. It just has to be it's really unlucky. But uh, aside from a beautiful, I say beautiful, a 
sore-looking razor's edge delivered by Eddie Denison to Trent Seven from in the ring to outside, pretty much. I don't remember very much from these two matches. Is it well, just me? That's because there's not much to remember, Stephen, and particularly uh, the build-up to this match, which seemed to start because they looked at each other in a nasty way. There was no <laughs> to uh, Trent and Eddie wasn't up to much. But the one thing that pissed me off about this match is that spot you talked about looked absolutely devastating, but it wasn't the finish. So, you know, if I have to throw some kind through a razor's edge over the top rope onto the floor and that doesn't beat them, how the fuck are you going to beat them? <laughs> I mean, that's just next, a a next stop driver, Gary. A next stop driver. <laughs> it's more so, destructive. Uh, and that should have been the finish of the match. It was utterly devastating. That sh- you know, that should have been it. And actually, these two matches, uh, I don't think delivered. And you know, when you look back on it, just as well the other three matches that we've spoke about hit it at the park because you could have been talking about uh, Takeover Blackpool too, and uh, you know, or looking uh, in a very, very different way with two of the matches under delivering. Alan, correct me if I'm correct me if I'm wrong. If I remember, I remember at the time, the day after this takeover, you were quite high on the women's title match, the women's triple threat. I mean, with a year's worth of hindsight on it. Do you still have that opinion? If that's if I've got your opinion correct, then uh, your opinion is correct. I think now not as much. I think because as I briefly mentioned, the reasons for the tag team match that was more rampantous towards this. I'm still happy Keely won, uh, but I think they've kind of got themselves in a situation like Walter where they don't really have anyone credible to take the title off other than Piper Devon. But up here in Glasgow and Scotland, we're fed up with that because <laughs> we've seen it so many times. I thought it was a decent match, don't get me wrong, it was a good match, but it wasn't as good as I thought it was when I watched it back. I think as well, being there, like Gary says, the excitement, you get caught up and all, that adds to it. Um, I mean, one of the other great things about it was literally at the end of the match, this is Kaylee, you know, Andres, Stevie Boy came up to Kwaku and I, and Gary, and he's, oh my god, that that's my missus, <laughs> that's my missus, and you kind of fed off that with him as well, I felt as well so it was a good match it wasn't as good as a, at the time uh, looking back now I don't think it was as good as it was back then but yeah. I, let me put it this way if I paid to go and see that show in Glasgow and that was the women's match I wouldn't be complaining no, I thought there was some nice storytelling in the match Stephen and then um, you know generally two baby faces one heel dynamic in a triple threat match I'm not the most fondest of that but there was this uh, Tony Storm with this uh, inner wrestle that she was having with herself part on it because I think you know she wants to win the title she's friends with Viper uh, Piper Niven and if I remember right there's a moment in the match where she has a chair and she thinks about hitting Viper with it and then eventually puts it down and we see a sort of a different side of Tony Storm round about this. So there's some quite nice storytelling within it. It was quite a fast-paced match from the start with some, you know, lots of near falls, but always broken up by the third person type of thing uh, along the way of it. You know, um, Kaylee, as Alan touched on, it, wins by Pippin and Viper, which then sets up their little feud that, that it seems like the never-ending feud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
you meant uh, Alan mentioned about if this show was in they did this match in Glasgow and added Tony Storm into it. Like I know Chris probably was one guy who wouldn't like it, given his opinions there on the show and Tony Storm. Uh, what would you have to say on this, Chris? To be fair, I, the last line in my notes is I didn't hate Tony as much as I did last year. But um, much like what Alan said, I was like, I don't really know where they go with Kaylee Ray now. Like, like I don't think anyone else in the company is good enough to beat her at the moment. But I'm a bit done with her as champion. Exact same th- thinking um, as what about Walter. Like the match had some good spots. Like Kaylee Ray's gory bombs, amazing. Like uh, Piper, I'm calling them by their. WWF names because it will just get confusing otherwise. Um, Piper did the Canadian Destroyer, which was clunky, but overall was pretty good. Uh, Storm Zero on Kaylee Ray, and then another one on top of Piper as well, which was really cool. Um, and then the finish with the sort of uh, like Tony did a really good frog splash, I thought, which uh, led to Kaylee Ray stealing the win. But yeah, I was like, oh, though that's it then. This match, that's that's the end of it, unless they're bringing in somebody else. And I'm looking at the, you know the. British independent scene and I'm trying to find someone else because I'm like oh right well that's that's run its course and I don't know whether I'm thinking that because I'm a big ICW fan and we've seen every possible combination of every British woman already um, and I also have four lines of Trent versus Eddie which I'd like to share with you good dragon mask Trent's dead popular um, razor's edge outside the ring holy F and next stop driver to finish that was it <laughs> Ross, have you got any more than four lines to add on these two matches? <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, Chris said he's we, he's we pop at Tony Storm. I, not a pop, but just I, I'm not a, a Viper, Piper, whatever she's going by, fan. I just feel um, that the whole gimmick is that she is not your stereotypical like, women's wrestler. I'm not and like most girls. Exactly. Exactly. Come on. She gets through a match without killing someone, you know. <laughs> nah, I can't say that. Um, just, I, I, I don't know. I just, it doesn't grab me. It just, we've seen every possible combination of her and Kaylee Ray, you know, be it with, you know, against Casey and the cage match and the sold out Hydro or be it you know, with Tony Storm here in Blackpool or, you know, just whatever, you know, they're always good matches, but we've seen it. And I, the Viper the Viper character or Piper Niven character is just that of, I'm not your stereotypical women's wrestler, but in the year 2021, 20, which we're now in, there isn't many stereotypical women, you know, you've got the likes of Rhea Ripley, you've got the likes of Ember Moon, you've got the likes of Charlotte, who's like a really really amazingly athletic uh, wrestler and quite like not stick thin like the Attitude Era's 90s brand panty sort of thing. I just think her gimmick is stuck in like 2009 and maybe it's just because I've only seen her work in ICW and in WWK where we constantly see Harvey Kelly Ray like it's got to it's like John Cena Randy Orton levels of repeat where it's two people that are really, really good in the ring and two people that are really, really good together. But I just don't want to see it anymore. Like, I, if, if it's advertised, I can, I'm can. i pretty sure I can miss it. I've not had a Randy Orton-John Cena match in a couple of years now. And, and, and I don't want another one, I'm going to be honest. No, although during this feud with Randy Orton and The Fiend, The Fiend's going to summon John Cena for whatever he did to him at WrestleMania. And yes. then that's going to be the feud. It's going to be Fiend Cena versus Randy Orton. Okay, well done. Book it. 
I'm in. I'm involved. I'm involved. My Cena t-shirt's just over here. I uh, know. I forget that you're the John Cena marker. <laughs> the one member of the John Cena fan club. Yes. Uh, uh, but two takeovers, you know, different level. Uh, fair to say, different levels of takeover, different levels of buzz from each of the two of them from start to finish. <coughs> Big important question to ask you all is. 2019, 2020. What's your favourite NXT UK takeover Blackpool show? Can I have a word there? I'm, uh, I'm going to have a cop out here. Can I can I have an absolute cop out? What? <laughs> I think 2019's a better show, but the four the fourteen tag match is the best match over both shows. Yeah, that's a fair that's a fair opinion. I thought you were going to say can I say 2019 because it was there. <laughs> no, it's like it's like uh, Leonard and Big Bang Theory. Original over next gen, but Picard over Kirk. <laughs> Very fair. Uh, Alan, what's your thought? 2020. 2020. <laughs> I, I, I just kind of feel, although the first one's brilliant, I feel Steve Balor wasn't there, and I don't know what they picked. It was he should not be named to actually fight. Would it have had the pull and impact? No. So I think it's, it's, it's too much focused on the Balor impact on I feel to make it that successful so if it didn't really have that would it have been successful or been noticed not really but the 2021 was good enough and had the impact and had the star power there without it okay uh chris yeah i actually weirdly agree with uh, ross I-, I think that uh, i love 2019 because i was there it felt like a big moment i felt like we were at the the start of something massive um 2020 didn't it didn't have the same impact when i watched it but i think the ladder match was amazing like my favorite match ever is um tlc2 because you know of course it is and uh it, it had aspects of that it was a really well put together match so i maybe agree with ross's cop out steven i actually have um a question for you and the rest of the panel which i thought we could cover do you think that nxt uk has a English Scottish divide. Like for instance, if you'd have put on the twenty nineteen event a, in Glasgow and Joe had won, do you not think that would have made it a better show? Ah, there's a blooming fan divide between English and Scottish fans anyway. For I, I I wanted Pete Dunn to win like going into the match, but then I kept flip flopping throughout the match because um, just because of certain chants for certain people, like there was a group of English people just shouting, oh, you're Scottish this, you're Scottish that, you know, certain explicits. And I thought, no, I'm right behind Joe, let's go Joe. And then there was a small portion of Celtic fans who started shouting, hail, hail Joe. And I immediately <laughs> went, right, come on, Pete Dunn, come on. <laughs> uh, and I think that's slightly The only other thing I would add to this whole conversation is that I think it's <laughs> The first one missed out on the fact that Gallus weren't on the card. Like they came out with Joe and then they walked to the back. And I think that put them in a match with the Hunt or whatever they were called back then. Like just have them batter them. Like I would like to have seen them on that show. That show, like you can't do the first, uh, the first um, NXT UK Blackpool again. Like so, they're never going to be part of that history, which I think is a shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gary, you were at both shows. <laughs> You don't have a bit bias. 2019 for me, uh, I think when you look at the the card, you've got five five matches which delivered, and for the second one, I, I 
I think it's three that done that. I mean, there's no there's no right or wrong answer to it. They were both fantastic shows. If anybody's listening to this that's not seen either of them, go and watch them. You're going to have a treat. Um, I think both shows you got the the chance. Are you watching Vince McMahon? There's some cracking wrestling amongst this. There's something for everybody in all these shows. This uh, you know. They both have the excitement, you know, you take over to, uh, Blackpool 2, we've got the Undisputed Era popping up, Blackpool 1, you've got Walter debuting, um, and you've got Finn Balor's surprise appearance. I think both fantastic, but 2019 for me edges it slightly, Stephen. Yeah, I like the 2019 one. I was, I could kind of swither slightly to Ross's cop-out, which now appears not to be so much of a cop-out. It seems to be quite a, <laughs> an informed opinion. Uh, I thought the tag match may have just edged the ladder match, though, but the ladder match is great. But they had two very good uh, UK takeovers, and we may eventually soon see the scheduled next takeover show from Dublin, NXT UK, Ireland. It's TakeOver 23. I think it's going to be 2023. Oh, who knows, who knows. There's no point predicting it. It's going to happen at some point and we're going to get to see it soon. But yeah, two great TakeOvers to try and digest in this roughly around about an hour and a half and I think we've done a good job going through that. Uh, as part I of this late... NXT TakeOver Ireland when WWE try to sell t-shirts to people in the Republic of Ireland with big Union Jacks on them. <laughs> I wonder why not a single t-shirt sold. <laughs> it's risky, risky tactic. But yeah, those were NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 1 and 2, which we've covered here in this latest ESSR feature show, which is available every Tuesday here on the platform. That was, while we were recording, voted best roundtable discussion podcast on Scottish Wrestling Network. Voted by hey. Hey. Competition? Well, no one. <laughs> <laughs> we beat inside the ropes, Chris. Ah, yes. I've got yeah. split <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, well done, Tess. But you can catch all the stuff on the features content every Tuesday. We've got ESSR Central out every Thursday where we discuss the latest stuff in wrestling. We've also got so much great content on the podcast side of things, on the YouTube side of things. So much there. Subscribe to either of the two to catch all of that and David Campbell's forehead. Hi, David. <laughs> He's going to hate me. And you can also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Simplex Retweet. Next week on ESSR Feature, David Campbell's going to be hosting, actually, <laughs> as he goes through with his panel, the best Royal Rumble moments ahead of the event on the 31st of January. And we've also got a look back in a couple of weeks on one year since Drew McIntyre's big rumble win, so that's coming up here in January. But until then, I'd like to thank my panel. First of all, Ross McLeod. Thank you very much. And you can look out on YouTube uh, coming soon, just before the Royal Rumble, the third Royal Rumble quiz for the first time as part of the Quiz Showdown uh, family. So who will win? Will, it, will we have a different winner from Scott or David? Probably not, because they're both in it. But um, it should be a good laugh nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Alan, thank you. Thanks, mate. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Chris, thank you. Thank you, Stephen. I have some parting thoughts I would like to share with you. Um, NXT Blackpool 3, right? So it's going to be in about 10 years. But how about this? How about NXT UK expands further? I know that some. I think some of you in here might be football fans. 
How about, right, Blackpool FC's rivals and the Filed Coast Derby, Fleetwood Town, who only reformed in 1998. They play at Highbury Stadium, which is 20 minutes down the road from the Empress Ballroom, which, in WWE's eyes, is definitely still Blackpool. <laughs> Highbury Stadium holds... Um, sorry, Empress Arena, or Ballroom, holds 3,000 people. Fleetwood holds 5,300. <laughs> and I saw this and thought, hmm, that could be an option. Only issue is... Definitely can't be in January. Definitely can't be outside. <laughs> All the wrestlers just freezing their absolute balls off. Or if you want, uh, I think they are called AFC Filed, who have just built a new stadium which holds 6,000 called Mill Farm Sports Village. Bigger capacity, better facility, uh, built about five years ago. NXT UK Blackpool 3. I think that they should maybe look at these venues. Main evented by the, the Black Ice match. <laughs> the, uh, the ice scraper on a ball match. Uh, and finally, to Gary. Thank you very much. Thank you, Stephen. It's been a f- fun look back at a time we could actually go to the wrestling. Yes, we'll hopefully get out this year. At some point. Look, maybe. Who knows? Pray for the vaccine quickly. I've been Stephen Wilson, and we will see you next time. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell, and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.